You're listening to another episode of the Zag. Eric Sobe here today, joined by Seth Palmer, 2018 NLC North Carolina fellow. North Carolina is on everyone's mind these days as we're winding closer and closer to the election, featuring alums the next couple episodes who are in the midst of working on getting out the vote or politics in general. So definitely want to stay tuned and hear what is coming up in the next couple of days. You can be ready for the election. Let's get to it. All right, Seth, what's your plan for election day and night? How are you going to spend those those 12 hours or so? Oh, you know, uh, probably watching a lot of results, talking to a lot of different people, and just really trying to, to get a handle on, on what's really going to go on. But um, I think as we, we all can imagine, there's not going to be as much quick results as we've seen in the past uh, few cycles. So I think for all of us on the who are political and, and policy wonks, it's going to be more stressful than, than we are, no, are maybe used to. So, but yeah. that happens. And then in terms of what you watch for, are there certain states you cue in on? Or are you, uh, you know, someone who gets down even into like the county voting levels in Florida and those kind of things? How do you usually stri- uh, plan to kind of watch the results come in? Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I watch everything with a, <laughs> a, a pretty deep dive uh, intent. Um, being here in North Carolina and having worked on races uh, that have been as low as uh, city and county races all the way up to statewide races, I'm used to, to plugging in and going through all of the different results that are are out there. North Carolina has a pretty robust system of, of county boards of elections uh, reporting. And so we have a, a system that you always have to hit refresh on to, to see new results. And mm-hmm. so that'll be very indicative, I think, as a as truly a, a, a flippable state um, being kind of in the purple purple zone right now. Um, I think what, what happens here in North Carolina is going to dictate a lot of what's going to happen in some other states. And in terms of what you're hearing from voters in the state, what do you feel like have been the most compelling messages for, for folks to vote progressive this time? Sure. I, I mean, I think there's been a lot of different messages that have come out um, that have, have resonated with progressives. Um, I think we've we've seen a huge uh, demographic shift here in North Carolina with a higher rise in um, both young younger voters, um, our 18 to 39 voting demographic is is through the roof right now um our unaffiliated voters but especially those unaffiliated who tend to lean more left uh have certainly continued to rise over the past few years from the midterms on and i think a lot of the messaging around healthcare, as well as the messaging around the environment has has really played very very well for for those who are leaning progressive Um, the stances that have been taken by candidates at both the federal and state level who who represent more of a progressive look at at how to improve health care access, how to keep health care access for for tens of thousands of North Carolinians and and continue to expand on the opportunities. Um, As as you may be aware and as others who are listening to this may be aware, North Carolina is one of the only states who's not expanded Medicaid Mm-hmm. following the ACA, and that's really been a, a key driver for so many people on the progressive movement to to continue to, to make strides towards that, especially as they look at flipping seats in the state legislature. 
And then in terms of another race folks are watching closely for North Carolina on the Senate side. So I know that campaign has had some interesting ups and downs, some less than great text messages have surfaced and those kind of things. What are you seeing and hearing about that race right now? Sure. That that race, I will say, is a, a complete surprise to those of us who watch politics from a more of a, a, a campaign mindset, because you would always think that there are, are certain things that could just completely sink your battleship. Um, and, and that, I, I think, really represents the, the understanding for, for the messaging that, that uh, Cal Cunningham's been putting out before all of this came, came to light. Uh, really, the, the base that he's been able to grow and, and really the, the lack of, of real action that I think a lot of voters have, have seen over the past six years from Senator Tellis has, has certainly caused him a lot more messaging hurdles than you would think for an incumbent senator. Uh, you would think that in a, a state like North Carolina, that even though that seat that he sits in right now has flipped um, as many times as, as, has, as there have been elections since uh, Jesse Helms uh, st- stepped down from that seat, uh, you would still think that the incumbency bias would, would get him a little bit more uh, across the finish line than, than he has been. Um, but that race over the past few weeks has naturally tightened. I, I don't think any of the information I've seen from the polling and through different conversations of the consultant class around here uh, has really said anything more than the race is getting tight because it was going to get tight um, just because of, of how voters break. But really, I, I think there are certainly some questions that any voter should have about character and and some of the challenges that I think would be before a, a potential senator uh, Cunningham, but I think as you take a, a deeper look at at the policies and the politics that he represents as as a potential elected official, you have to s- begin to somewhat divorce those mindsets from from anything that's happening personally. Um, and and it also it is a very challenging situation, and and I think for for many people, especially myself who's on the comm side, there there are many pieces that I would have told him you need to do differently, but hindsight's always twenty twenty in a pol- in a political campaign in politics. And so can't can't necessarily fault him for, for how he presented things. Absolutely. When we go back with Seth, we'll talk more about the local, state, and national landscape of the election coming up in such a short time on November third. Thanks so much for tuning in this episode of the Zag. We'll be right back. I was curious, are you seeing or hearing from voters any interest in talking about, let's say Biden does win and there's a Dem Senate majority again, um, issues I think are, are kind of dear to progressives right now, which is abolishing the filibuster or right-sizing the Supreme Court. Do you hear or uh, feel like that would be something voters would, would support or does that turn them off? What's your thoughts on that? I think that's certainly, a, a, both of those are very interesting topics that are going to have to to have some analysis on, I think, as we've seen over the years, the the challenges placing it, place, facing democracy with having a filibuster, having having the ability of of either party to to unnecessarily control the the debate is 
it has hindered many processes from moving forward and, and really the will of, of truly the people to, to move forward in, in the Senate. I think the, the size of the court is, has been a historic conversation. There's, there's very little that is ingrained in, in the founding documents of this country that really set up the court being one size or the other. And so continuing to make modifications to the court system to, to ensure that there, there is balance, um, even as, as judicial uh, participants try to postulate balance, there is always conservative versus liberal ideology in, in judicial processes. So it's a hard, a hard thing for, for many people to see. Um, and I know both those conversations are, are certainly driven very hard right now through having a, a very unbalanced system uh, as far as, as the partisanship of the majority in both the Senate and in the presidency. That, that definitely leads to a lot of these conversations. So certainly if, if a, a President Biden comes in, all of those, those nuanced ideas, those things that should have been talked about much more uh, robustly in the, in the past can come back to light and with some potential opportunity, um, it, it, it would have a, a potential uh, way to come, come more to the mainstream. But I really haven't seen a lot of the polling that gives me great clarity on, on where the American people really would, would come out on either one of those. Hey, last thing, you know, this time of year is when fellows are, are picked for next year's class and a lot of chapters are doing selection right now. Uh, thinking back to your NLC experience, what do you re- remember fondly about it? And, and what kind of advice would you give to folks who are going to start with us in 2021? Sure. So the NLC uh, fellowship experience was was a great opportunity for me to to engage with a whole whole cohort of fellows from across the state of North Carolina. Um, I had, had folks in there who were looking to run for office, who were um, serving in, in many roles in their community and coming from the, the political uh campaign side as well as from the policy and the lobbying and government affairs side, it was definitely a great educational experience for me to, to understand all different parts. Um, I think the biggest um, takeaway I, I had was was my capstone and continuing this mindset of, of how to provide advocacy resources and support in the government affairs space for smaller nonprofits or or more issue advocacy groups. And so that was, was part of what I worked on and something I continue to work on today. But I, I would say for, for any new fellows coming in, come with an open mind, come with a, a servant heart and, and know that, that the work that can be done through your fellowship program is, is extremely important, not just for, for, for the progressive movement, for progressives, but also just in general for ensuring that our, our democracy moves forward in a, a productive way. Um, for the future. Well said. Listen, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for all you're doing for electoral efforts in North Carolina. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of The Zag. Make sure to check out episodes that we're dropping this week, talking to alums who are working on all types of campaign-related events and also working on making sure we get the vote out in all possible ways from all possible people. Check those out. SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, all the places you get your podcasts. Until next time, we'll catch you soon. <laughs>